Shalom, brothers and sisters. I'm Brother Sid. I have Brother Joshua assisting me today. We are the Commandment Keepers Church. We have a detailed lesson prepared for our brothers and sisters internationally. Today's lesson will be titled, The Art of Fruitfulness. Brothers and sisters, The Art of Fruitfulness. Today we will examine the art behind fruitful living brothers and sisters. And guess what? The first principle we must know is we cannot produce fruit without stability, brothers and sisters. Fruitfulness comes through stability, and until you're stable, God cannot make you fruitful, brothers and sisters. Our first scriptures will show that. We're going to John chapter 15. We'll read 1 through 8. I need you to listen to Christ here. John 15 verse 1. I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that breathe not fruit, he taketh away. Every branch that beareth not fruit. I need you to see something here, brothers and sisters, because he uses the relationship of branches to the vine to illustrate our relationship to him. Read that from the top, please, brother. Verse 1. I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit. He taketh away. He does what to it? He taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now look at this, brothers and sisters. Here it is. Christ isolates two he isolates uh, he isolates into two separate groups, the branches we're speaking of. It says, Every branch of me that does not bear fruit, he taketh away, and those who bear fruit will be purged. So look at that, brothers and sisters. He isolates the branches into two groups, those bearing fruit and those not bearing fruit. So examine that closely, brothers and sisters. Read that one more time, brother, please. John 15, verse 1. I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it. Now, we need you to look at something, brothers and sisters. A cutting is, is going to take place. Everyone gets cut, <laughs> brothers and sisters. See? Every branch is going to get cut, no matter who you are. Either if you're bearing no fruit, you get cut away. If you're bearing fruit, you get cut back. Anyone who knows anything about husbandry, brothers and sisters, they know that you cut back uh, the, the places, uh, certain places on the branches to make it more fruitful. Brothers and sisters, ask any gardener this. Continue, brother. Verse 3. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you. Do what, brother? Abide in me, and I in you. So, jump back to verse 3, brother. Verse 3. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Now that's key, because you're either going to learn from my instruction, or you're going to learn through circumstances. He's saying you're clean through the word. Okay? But everyone don't learn that way. Some people have to learn through extreme circumstances, brothers and sisters. What's verse 4 say, brother? John 15, verse 4. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit for fruit of itself. Read that part again. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye accept ye abide in me. See, look at this. He's saying he's the true source of fruitfulness, brothers and sisters. The vine is the source and the substance of life 
for the branches. Let's read that one more time. Verse 4, Brother Joshua. Verse 4. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. So, remember, we're talking about stability. He's saying you must stabilize yourself within me, or you will lack fruit. There's no way for you to bring forth fruit or live a fruitful life outside of the vine. Who is the vine? According to verse 1, the vine is Christ, the Messiah, brothers and sisters. See, this is where the stability comes in, brothers and sisters. You cannot be trusted until you're stable, brothers and sisters. You cannot be fruitful until you're stable. Let's go. Jump to verse 5, brother, please. Verse 5. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. Read that part again. The same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. Read that part again. For without me ye can do nothing. Mm, see, so we must be rooted in him if we're going to bear good fruit. Brothers and sisters, away from the vine, the branches will lose the supply of life. Brothers and sisters, see that? Continue, please, brother. Verse 6. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch, and is withered. And men gather them, and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. So look at this. This magnifies the vital relationship between the branch and the vine, brothers and sisters. Let's read it one more time. Verse 6. If a man abide not in me... He is cast forth as a branch. He's what? He is cast forth as a branch. Brothers and sisters, examine the progression for the one who doesn't abide. He's what, brother? He is cast forth as a branch. So first he's cast out. And is withered. Then he's withered. And men gather them. Then he's gathered. And cast them into the fire. And they are burned. And then he's burned. <laughs> Look at that progression, brothers and sisters. See? It progressively gets worse. Christ is dropping a gem here, brothers and sisters. He said, without me, you can do nothing. You're working on your own. You're working through your own hand. You have to be connected to the source. It's just like having a any type of electronic, brothers and sisters. If you don't have a source to plug that electronic up to, what are you doing? Exactly. He's saying you must be hooked up to the source, the source of the power. Continue, brother, please. John 15, verse 7. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will. You can ask for whatever you want if you continue in me. And it shall be done unto you. Now this is talking about within the parameters of his will. He's not going to give you something that's going to harm you, brothers and sisters. But guess what? If you abide in Christ, your desires change. So what it is you're looking for and you're thinking about and you want are actually things that would, you know, would fit the will of the Most High. That's how you know that you're abiding in Him. Read that one more time, brother, please. Verse 7. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit, so shall, be, so shall ye be my disciples. So, brothers and sisters, branches are to serve as vehicles through which the vine is, expresses itself. I really need you to look at verse 8 because you bearing much fruit is not for you. Who is it for? Read that one more time, brother. Verse 8. Herein is my Father glorified. See? 
that ye bear much fruit. The, you, the Most High is going to make you fruitful to glorify the Most High. <laughs> See, it's not about you at all. You have to get your mind off you, brothers and sisters. He said, I'm going to make you fruitful. Why? Because you're going to bring glory to me. And if you're not going to bring glory to me, I will not make you fruitful. See, brothers and sisters, the branches bear the fruit which the vine produces. And it's not for you. It's not for you to look good and, and to be, uh, you know, flossing and all this. No. It's to bring glory to Christ, who is the Messiah and the Most High. See, brothers and sisters, it's not about us at all. It was never about us. Let's show you. Let's go to John chapter 12, verse 24. Just a few chapters prior, brothers and sisters. We're going to read verse 24 and 25. John 12, verse 24. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it obtaineth, it abideth alone, but if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. Now, brothers and sisters, in nature, the death of seeds is necessary to their production of fruit. This is what he's, this is what he's magnifying here. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 24. Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. So the death of this seed has the beneficial effect of yielding much fruit. So you can have a seed, brothers and sisters. But if you don't put that seed into the ground, it's, that seed will, do no, it, it will yield nothing for you. You can keep this seed in a pouch, but a hundred years, it will not bring forth fruit. It must die. It must go into the ground brothers and sisters, to bring forth much fruit. Now, does it bring up one fruit, or does it bring up much fruit? See? So look at that. Continue, brother. Verse 25. He that loveth his life shall lose it. Now he applies this directly to us in verse 25 in the form of a paradox. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 25. He that loveth his life shall lose it, and he that hateth his life in this world shall keep it under life eternal. We must lose our worldly life in order to fulfill our ultimate purpose, brothers and sisters. One must renounce himself, loving not his own life, brothers and sisters. See, the first text said, let's read the first text. 24. Yes, sir. John 12, verse 24. Listen closely to Brother Joshua's words. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. Now, this is the art of fruitfulness. It's telling you, you have to die to yourself. The seed, the seed has to die. And what happens if it dies? But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. There's only one way to bring forth that fruit. The seed must die, brothers and sisters. That's science. Verse 25. He that loveth his life shall lose it. And he that hateth his life in this world shall keep shall keep it on a life eternal. See, we gain the most from life by living sacrificially rather than selfishly, brothers and sisters. Death leads to life, brothers and sisters. That's the principle that he's making here. We're learning the art of fruitfulness, brothers and sisters. There is a way that you can be fruitful. You can have fruitful living, but you have to follow what the Bible, the instruction the Bible is given, or you can waste your time uh, trying to do it on your own. I would rather follow the Bible. Why? Because the Bible is the shortcut. 
the, the shortcut of doing what, you know, what you desire, which is being fruitful, is what we're reading here. You want to take the long way, and the long way won't work for you. You have to work harder when you have no wisdom, brothers and sisters. Joshua told us that. You work harder when you have no wisdom. When you have wisdom, you can work less. The Bible tells us, in not the same words, but it tells us, work smarter, not harder, brothers and sisters. The Most High will make it easy for you to be successful, to be fruitful, if you do what? If you acquiesce, if you capitulate, brothers and sisters. Further proof. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 15. Let's go to Paul here, brothers and sisters, because he uses the same analogies here, speaking of the resurrection. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 36. Thou fool, that which thou sawest is not quickened. That which you saw is not a... When it says quickened, that means alive. Can you read that again, brother? Verse 36. Thou fool, that which thou sawest is not quickened. Except it dies. So that which you sowed, brothers and sisters, doesn't come alive except it dies. So here it is. Paul is using agricultural metaphors to bring about spiritual truth, brothers and sisters. The principle of seeds dying, growing, and producing a crop. Let's read it again, brother, please. Verse 36. Thou fool, that which thou sowest is not quickened. Except it dies. Except what, brother? Except it dies. Unless the grain dies, there will be no increase. And that which thou sowest, thou sowest not that body that shall be, but bear grain. It may, cha it may chance of wheat or of some other grain. So look at this, brothers and sisters. Our resistance to sacrifice is preventing our fruitfulness. Brothers and sisters, we must deny ourselves any pleasures that stand in the path of obeying the Most High. See? Unless it die, brothers and sisters, you have to die to what you want. You have to die to what your dreams are outside of what God created you for, brothers and sisters. Because many people say, well, this is what my dream was. This is what I wanted to do. This is what I, I pictured myself doing. The Most High is like, well, that's a personal problem. Because I created you with an intended purpose. And the only way you can be successful is by fulfilling that intended purpose in which I created you. This is what it's going to take, brothers and sisters. This is a call for self-renunciation. Because growth is always outside of comfort, brothers and sisters. He whose mind is set on worldly pleasures shall never be fruitful, brothers and sisters. There comes a time when we're going to have to follow God through uncertainty, brothers and sisters. And we're reading it here. Unless it die. When he said, that which thou soweth is not quickened. Quickened means brought alive, except it die. He was speaking about resurrection. So he's saying, you have to die to be resurrected. What is he speaking of, brothers and sisters? Baptism, see? <laughs> see, baptism is death. That's what it is. It's death to the old man. See? Go read Romans again. <laughs> it said if you're baptized into Christ, you're baptized into his death. You're going under the water. That's your death. That's being buried in the ground. Then you come up alive because why? You're already dead. Dealing in sin. The wages of sin is death. So you're already dead. You only come alive once you renounce your sin. Go through water and come up. See? So he used the same agricultural metaphor, brothers and sisters, for what? For spiritual truth. 
Brother Joshua, let's go to Hosea 10 and 12, brother. We're going to go to the Old Testament. Follow us to the Old Testament, brothers and sisters. Oh, excuse me. Follow us to the Old Testament, Hosea 10 and 12. We'll read 12 and 13. Hosea 10, verse 12. Sow to yourselves in righteousness, reap in mercy, break up your, fo your follow ground. For it is time to seek the Lord. It's time to do what, brother? Time to seek the Lord till he come and rain righteousness upon you. The Bible is filled with a multitude of agricultural truths, brothers and sisters. And fallow ground is the ground that is hard and stubborn, resistant to seed. Read that one more time, please, brother. Verse 12. Sow to yourselves in righteousness. Reap in mercy. Break up your fallow ground. Break up what? Your fallow ground. This is a call to break up the uncultivated ground in our hardened hearts. For it is time to seek the Lord till he come and rain righteousness upon you. See, we break up or, excuse me, we break up our hardened hearts by seeking the most high, brothers and sisters. When it talks about fallow ground, it's the stubbornness, it's the hardened heart. Why? Because you can't receive seed until the ground is plowed, brothers and sisters. If you've ever planted anything... You know that if the ground is hard, the seed won't get deep. And if the seed doesn't get deep and then receive the rain where he's saying rain righteousness upon you, look, that means there's no blessings coming because the seed I gave you just hit hard ground. See that, brothers and sisters? <laughs> Read the next scripture, brother. Verse 13. You have plowed wickedness. You have reaped iniquity. So here it is. Cause and effect. You have eaten the fruit of lies, because thou didst trust in the in thy way, in the multitude of thy mighty men. So we will be reciprocated what is worthy of our labor. That's what this scripture is showing us. Read that one more time, brother. Thirteen, please. Hosea ten verse thirteen. Ye have plowed wickedness. What did we plow? Wickedness. Ye have reaped iniquity. What did we reap? Iniquity. Ye have eaten the fruit of lies, because thou didst trust in thy way. And the multitude of thy mighty men. So we continue to take a great deal of pain in service of sin, brothers and sisters. If you plow or sow wickedness, what you reap will be <laughs> trouble, misery, brothers and sisters. However long we refuse to submit, we will receive the fruit of iniquity. That's what this scripture is telling us, brothers and sisters. Break up your fallow ground. Die to your obstinacy. Die to your stubbornness, having to have it your way, believing you know better than the God that created you. When God say, don't eat pork, and then you come and say, whatever it is, whatever excuse you're coming up with. See, that's part of that fallow ground, because you believe you know better than the God that created the pork. <laughs> See? You can't, you can't, you can't be blessed. You cannot be until you break up the fallow ground, brothers and sisters. Further proof. Let's go to Romans, Brother Joshua. Let's go to Paul. Let me go to Paul here. We're going to go through the Old and New Testament. Even the Apographer. We use the volume of the book, brothers and sisters. We're not like those Christians who only use the New Testament. We're not like those Israelites who only use the Tanakh or, 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 or the, uh, the Apographer. We use the volume of the book. Old Testament, New Testament, Apographer, we use it all. Let's read 14, brother, through 23. Romans 17, verse 14. 
For we know that the law is spiritual. What did Paul call the law? Spiritual. But I am carnal, sold under sin. So here it is. This is Paul, the author of the Bible. <laughs> One of the authors of the Bible. He's saying, listen, I'm carnal. Okay, the law is good. <laughs> so listen, if he's carnal, then what are you? What am I? See? So this applies to each and every one of us, brothers and sisters. This truth that Paul is dropping. Let's read that again. Romans 7, verse 14. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that I do not. But what I hate, that I do. So here it is. He finds it perplexing that his flesh wants to do what he knows is wrong. It says, for that which... Can you read that one more time, brother? Verse 15. For that which I do, I allow not. He's saying, that which I find myself doing, I don't want to do. For what I would. For what I want to do. That I do not. I don't find myself doing. But what I hate, that I do. <laughs> See, that thing, there's something in me. The thing that I know is wrong, that I know is against God, is what I find myself doing. This is Paul. Continue, brother. Verse 16. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. For if I'm finding myself doing that which I don't want to do, and I've already consented that the law is good. Now then it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. See, so he emphasizes that the impulse to sin comes from our carnal nature, brothers and sisters. Because here it is, we know what's right. It's not like we don't know what's right. There's something in us that even when you know stealing is wrong, you still do it. But you know it's wrong. See, when you're cheating or you're dealing with, you know, affairs and all this stuff, you're doing what you already know is wrong. The drugs, the getting drunk, the pornography. It's not like we don't know what's wrong. It's something else, brothers and sisters. See, and you're going to fight this every day. Let's read that one more time, brother, please. 17. Romans 7, verse 17. Now then it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. So here it is. Paul noticed that nothing good dwells in our flesh, brothers and sisters. For to will is present with me. So to know what is right, to know what is right, is with me. But how to perform that which is good, I find not. See, but I can't do it. I know what's right, but I can't fight this thing off to do it. Paul was growing and increasing in awareness of his sin, brothers and sisters. See, Paul was deep. And see, this is why, you can see how confusing this is. This is why Christians go to Paul. Because they know you don't understand it. They don't even understand it, brothers and sisters. But they can twist and turn things See, because Peter said, when you go into the book of Peter, it says that Paul is hard to be understood by the unlearned brothers and sisters. And they know this. <laughs> so they'll just butcher all of Paul's, <laughs> they'll just butcher all of Paul's epistles, brothers and sisters, okay? When the truth is brought out on a scripture, you can see that it's the truth because you don't have to do any mental acrobatics to, to fully comprehend what's being brought out, brothers and sisters. Look at how deep Paul was, brothers and sisters, how honest, how authentic he was. See how genuine this brother was. Here it is, vulnerable. 
Because many people don't want to talk about all this. We think, you know, we know we're Israelites, we're perfect. I don't struggle with sin at all. <laughs> Paul knew he was an Israelite, brothers and sisters, his whole life. And he said, I'm struggling with this thing. Read 18 one more time, please, brother. Verse 18. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me. But how to perform that which is good I find not. For the good that I would, I do not. But the evil which I would not, that I do. For the good that I want to do, I don't do. But the evil which I would, I don't want to do, that is what I do. Brothers and sisters. Continue, brother. Verse 20. Now, if I do that, I would not. It is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. Read 19 and 20 one more time, brother. Verse 19, for the good that I would, I do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. Now if I do that, I would not, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. So here it is, Paul says the powerful influence of sin is terribly difficult to overcome, brothers and sisters. That's Paul saying this. We didn't make this up. Continue, brother. Verse 21, I find then a law that... When I would do good, evil is present with me. What did he say? Verse 21. I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. So here it is. He's saying, even when I'm doing good, evil is present with me. How do I know, brothers and sisters? Because you had to make the decision to do what was right. See, the fact that there was a decision to make shows you there's evil there, brothers and sisters. Even when I do what's right, the evil is there because I, I had to make a decision. See? Continue, brother. Verse 22. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man, but I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind. Warring against what? The law of my mind. And bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. So Paul is conscious of a war going on within himself. Brothers and sisters, his mind, which serves God, wars against his flesh, which serves sin. So he highlights that our carnal body wars against the indwelling spirit. Brothers and sisters. Read that one more time. Verse 23, brother. Verse 23. But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind. So there's something in my flesh. Warn against what my mind knows is right. Now, brothers and sisters, there was a law. Because, see, he says, I, I see another law in my members. There was a law created with Adam that we would all struggle. All the children of Adam would struggle with this sin. Every one of us. Till the day that we die. That was the law that was created, brothers and sisters. That was the law that was created. That the heart would want wickedness. No matter how righteous you think you are. You're already inclined to do what's wrong. Verse 23. But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind, and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? See, look at that. See, this was a, this was a battle. <laughs> Paul is saying, listen, I don't know only Christ. <laughs> Only Christ is going to be able to deliver a man or woman through this battle, brothers and sisters. See, it's hard following the law. 
it's hard, brothers and sisters. It's it's hard, not just following the law, but being a man of God or a woman of God. Because why? That war that he's seeing, that law in his mind and the law in his flesh, people who are not doing the right thing, they're not at war. <laughs> they're letting the law in their members just run their mind. Their mind and their members are on the same thing. Do whatever I want to do. Do whatever my flesh tells me. Only they who are trying to be right, brothers and sisters, are having this war within them. See? Let's go to Galatians, brothers and sisters. We're going to go to Galatians chapter 5. We're staying in the New Testament, brothers and sisters. The art of fruitfulness. Galatians 5 and 17. My brother Joshua will read that for us. Galatians 5 verse 17. For the flesh lusteth out. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. Now here it is. Paul describes a conflict that goes on in the heart and mind of all. Galatians 5 verse 17. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things... That ye would. So here it is. Paul is emphasizing the struggle of the flesh and the spirit, brothers and sisters. Throughout life, our fleshly nature will continue to be in opposition of our spirits, brothers and sisters. Verse 18. But if ye be led of the spirit, ye are not under the law. So, brothers and sisters, we just wanted you to see that, that battle that Paul said he was dealing with. The, the law of his members, the law that's in his members going against the law of his mind. Read 17 one more time, brother. Verse 17. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. So the flesh desires ease, brothers and sisters, and therefore comes into collision with the spirit. Brothers and sisters, in order to win this battle, we must allow the spirit to lead us. It's the only way, brothers and sisters. This is the only way. Brothers and sisters, please follow us to Ephesians chapter 4, the 22nd through the 24th verse. Ephesians 4 verse 22. That ye put off concerning the former conversation, the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts. Now, brothers and sisters, the central issue is transformation to change a person's orientation, brothers and sisters. It admonishes us to put off our former conduct. That word where it says conversations, it says conduct there. Matter of fact, let me pull it up here in the, in the Greek, brothers and sisters. Let me pull it up in the Greek because I'm going to give you the Greek number. One second here. So get out your concordance or go to Google, brothers and sisters. You can get out your concordance or you can type in Ephesians 4. You can type in Ephesians chapter 4, Strong's Concordance, and we're going to read you what it says. Because that word conversation really doesn't say conversation, brothers and sisters. Or it's not the best translation of it. And see, when you're a scholar or you want to be a scholar, this is what you have to do. You're going to look at that word. Read verse 22 again, please, brother. Verse 22 that ye put off concerning the former conversation. That word conversation is the Greek number, brothers and sisters, excuse me, the Greek number 391. 
It says, the definition says behavior, conversation. So manner of life, conduct, behavior. That's the definition. So it would have been better if that word was translated, not conversation, but behavior or conduct, brothers and sisters. See? So it's not just conversation. It's the conduct. Conversation is a part of that conduct. Now we're going to go back. This time read conduct rather than not conversation, please. Ephesians 4, verse 22. That ye put off concerning the former conduct, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. See, so here it is. He admonishes us to put off our former conduct, put to death our sinful actions. Read 23 again. Verse 23. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Why? Because the unrenewed mind is controlled by its passions and desires, brothers and sisters. So he's telling us, put off the old humanity to be renewed by the Holy Spirit, brothers and sisters. See, that's really what you need to know, brothers and sisters. Put away the old man. When does the old man die, brothers and sisters? The beginning of that death is baptism. That's the beginning, but you have to continue in righteousness after the baptism, brothers and sisters. You can't be baptized, kill the old man, and then go back to what you were before. It doesn't work like that. <laughs> You're getting your white garment dirty again. Read verse 24, please, Brother Joshua. Verse 24. And that ye put on the new man. Put on what? The new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. The Most High knows that change brings anxiety, brothers and sisters. However, the deliberate discipline of change is not optional, brothers and sisters. We cannot obtain the crown without the cross. It's impossible, brothers and sisters. So you have to cross yourself. Put your desires on the cross. You have to, the way Christ did, brothers and sisters. You have to be able to go against what you feel. And until you can do that, you're not serviceable to the Most High. Matter of fact, you're spoiled. Why do we say spoiled? Because spoiled means you're no good. See? That's the key, brothers and sisters. Read those. Uh, read from 22 through 24 one more time, brother, and then we're going to go to Ecclesiasticus and the Apographer, the 23rd chapter. Ephesians 4, verse 22. That ye put off concerning the former conduct, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. See? So let us show you now, brothers and sisters. Let's go to the Apocrypha. Let's go to Ecclesiasticus, also known as Sirach, brothers and sisters, in the Greek. Brothers and sisters, follow us to Ecclesiasticus, the 23rd chapter, the 2nd through the 5th verse. Ecclesiasticus 23, verse 2. Who will set up scourges over my thoughts? Over my what, brother? Over my thoughts. So here it is. He's saying, I need the discipline of the mind. And the discipline of wisdom over mine heart. So first it's the mind, brothers and sisters. Why? Because the mind is the battlefield. So the author knows that impure habits are a byproduct of what? Of impure thoughts, brothers and sisters. That they spare me not from mine ignorances, and it passes not by my sins. 
least my ignorance is increased. See, if I don't have discipline of the mind, my ignorances will increase. So most importantly, we must correctly identify the battlefield, which is the mind, brothers and sisters. And my sins abound to my destruction, and I fall before mine adversaries, and mine enemy rejoice over me, whose hope is far from thy mercy. See, so look at that. Here he magnifies the danger of entertaining those sinful desires or sinful thoughts, rather, brothers and sisters. O Lord, Father and God of my life, give me not a proud look, but turn away from thy servants always a haughty mind. Verse 5, turn away from me, vain hopes. Turn away what? Vain hopes. Look at that. The vain hopes. Why? Because prolonged waiting for what we eagerly desire can turn into bitterness. See, you have to be careful what you're hoping for, brothers and sisters. Unfulfilled desires and deferred hopes can eventually turn us against them, brothers and sisters. That's why he said, turn away from me, vain hopes. See, if you're hoping for something that's against God, you're not going to get it. Not through him. And that will turn you against God. You will become bitter. See, he knew this. The author knew this, brothers and sisters. He said, turn away from me vain hopes and concupiscence. See, why? Because if I desire to serve you always, that have to go. See that, brothers and sisters? He was being real. It's the mind. The mind is the most important thing. Your mind must be willing, brothers and sisters. Your mind must be willing. Why? Because the flesh is already weak. See, brothers and sisters? Turn away from me vain hopes. Let's go to Romans 8 and 7. Brother Joshua. Let's go back to Paul here. Romans, the 8th chapter, the 7th verse. We'll read 7 and 8. Romans 8, verse 7. Because the carnal mind is an enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So here it is. Paul describes this power struggle perfectly. This text emphasizes that a carnal mind refuses to submit to the Most High. Read that again, brother, please. Verse 7, because the carnal mind is an enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. See, so they're opposite in their nature. They can never harmonize. See, that's why the previous scripture said the mind was the battlefield. I need protection. I need discipline of mind. Why? Because if you have an undisciplined mind, you're against God. See, you will not submit. Continue, brother. Verse eight. So then they are. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Read those two scriptures again, brother, please. Verse seven. Because the carnal mind is an enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So the sin within us is always seeking to pull us again into defilement. So then they that are in the flesh. Cannot please God. They can please Him? They cannot please God. They can please Him sometimes. They cannot please God. Those driven by the flesh are incapable of submitting to the Most High God. Brothers and sisters, guess what? What we decide demonstrates what we hold in the higher regard, brothers and sisters. See, it's the carnal mind that will not allow a person to do what? To submit. 
Today's lesson, brothers and sisters, is what the art of fruitfulness, brothers and sisters. In order to have fruitful living, you must understand, you must comprehend the things that Paul is speaking about here today, brothers and sisters. We're going to show you. Because without submission, you cannot be fruitful, brothers and sisters. We're going to show that. Let's go to Ecclesiasticus. Back to the Apocrypha. 3 and 26. We're going to read 26 through 28, brothers and sisters. Ecclesiasticus 3 verse 26. A stubborn heart shall fare evil at the last, and he that loveth danger shall perish therein. Brothers and sisters, look at that. <laughs> He's, what kind of heart, brother? A stubborn heart shall fare evil at the last. Look at that, brothers and sisters. Stubbornness. It's a poison, a spiritual disease that contaminates the carriers. And he that loveth danger shall perish therein. He shall what, brother? Shall perish therein. The sad result of such mullish obstinance is made clear here, brothers and sisters. Verse 27. An obstinate heart shall be laden with sorrow. Obstinate means stubborn, brothers and sisters. Read that again. An obstinate heart shall be laden with sorrows. And the wicked man shall heap sin upon sin. So stubbornness will always be rewarded with what? With bitterness. According to this text, brothers and sisters. Verse 28. In the punishment of the proud, there is no remedy. For the plant of wickedness hath taken root in him. It hath done what? Hath taken root in him. Obstinacy is most positive when it's in the most wrong. Brothers and sisters. See, we're reading the commendation for humility of the heart. Brothers and sisters. See, all of this, what we're reading here, will not allow you to submit. Why? Because you're stubborn. You're stiff-necked. The fallow ground has not been broken up. See? A man will do more for his stubbornness than for his religion or his country, brothers and sisters. Those who never retract their opinions love themselves more than they love truth, brothers and sisters. And unfortunately, that's many of our people. The blacks. The so-called Hispanics, the, the, the so-called natives. We struggle with this. You can find God calling us stubborn all throughout the Bible, especially in the wilderness when we were there. So he's telling you, if you don't submit, you cannot be fruitful. Let's show you. Let's go to Jeremiah 42 and 6. Jeremiah, the 42nd chapter. The sixth verse. Jeremiah 42, verse 6. Whether it be good or whether it be evil, we will obey the voice of the Lord our God. We're reading a commitment to submission, whether it be agreeable or otherwise. See, this is what submission looks like. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 6. Whether it be good or whether it be evil, we will obey the voice of the Lord our God, to whom we send thee, that it may be well with us when we obey the voice of the Lord our God. So look at that. Submission has to come before comprehension, brothers and sisters, because otherwise you'll convince yourself to neglect his instructions. Here it is. Our people are saying, no matter what the Most High says, whether it be good in my eyes or evil in my eyes, I will obey it. See, before you've, before you've gotten the instruction, that is a choice that must be made first. 
You don't pick and choose and decide what you're going to follow and what you're not going to follow. If you submit, then you know whatever he has said to you, I'm going to do whether I agree or not. Why? Because I've already submitted. See, that's true submission, brothers and sisters. The principle taught here is that selective obedience is what? It's disobedience, brothers and sisters. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 6, whether it be good or whether it be evil, we will obey the voice of the Lord our God, to whom we send thee, that it may be well with us. So they were trying to send the prophet to speak for them, to ask the Most High something. And the Most High, they told Jeremiah, they told the prophet what? Whatever he says, we're going to do, regardless of if we agree with it, if we like it or not. So this is what they were saying to the prophet. When we obey the voice of the Lord our God. It'll be well with us when we obey the voice. See? So we have to be humble enough to submit our vision up under his brothers and sisters. See? That's the art. That is the art of the fruitfulness, brothers and sisters. Remember, John 15 said you must abide in Christ. Abide means stay. That means stay. That means you must be stable in Christ. In order to be fruitful. You can't just mess around with Christ. Like he's a like he's a side chick. A side piece or something. Well sometimes you know. I, you know I told him sometimes. You know sometimes I don't. See Christ is not a side piece. You will not be fruitful. Unless you abide. You must live there. You must establish residency. See. Let's go to Ecclesiasticus. Back, to, back in the Apocrypha. 24th verse, uh, excuse me, 24th chapter, 22nd verse. Ecclesiasticus 24, verse 22. He that obeyeth me shall never be confounded, and they that work by me shall not do amiss. So they who act accordingly to the decree of wisdom receive understanding. Brothers and sisters, confounded means confused. Can you read that again? Verse 22. He that obey me shall never be confounded. And they that work by me shall not do amiss. Brothers and sisters, actions of obedience preceding our understanding reflect trust. That means even when you don't understand, you obey. Brothers and sisters, why? Because that's faith. That's trust. Brothers and sisters, that's what that is. Faith enables obedience and understanding follows afterwards. Brothers and sisters, read that one more time, brother. Verse 22, he that obeyeth me shall never be confounded, and they that work by me shall do shall not do amiss. See, if you work hand in hand with the Most High, you'll never go wrong. You'll never go off, brothers and sisters. Now, you tend to work on your own, see, you will go off, and you will not be fruitful, brothers and sisters. Now, you may not agree with that statement. You may not agree with it, but nevertheless, it's in the Bible. So you have to get over what you agree with, brothers and sisters. See, that's pride, where you have to agree with something <laughs> in order to believe it. See, you can't get in that way. You, you won't get in that way. It doesn't matter what you believe, brothers and sisters. It doesn't matter what I believe. It only matters what he says, brothers and sisters. We think too highly of ourselves. We really do. Let's go to Psalms 111 and 10 to prove the principle that we just read. Psalms 111 and 10. 
Psalms 111 verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all they that do his commandments. A good what? A good understanding have all they that do his commandments. So look at that. Reading, we're reading why obedience should precede understanding. Brothers and sisters. Obedience garners us the rewards of good understanding. Read that again, brother, please. Verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all they that do his commandments. His praise endureth forever. See? So comprehension is not required. Only obedience, brothers and sisters. It says a good understanding have all they that do his commandments. So guess what? You do the commandments and you'll understand afterwards. <laughs> See? If you don't understand before, you'll understand afterwards. How many times have the Most High told you to do something? And you didn't do it. And then after you got the judgment, you understood why he said don't do it. <laughs> See? He said, listen, you don't, your comprehension isn't needed, son. Your submission does. And after you submit, I'll give you the understanding. See? A lot of us say, well, since I don't understand, it can't be right. According to who? You? <laughs> See? You don't have to understand something to benefit from it, brothers and sisters. What if God responded to our needs at the same speed in which we obeyed him? What about that? Mmm, exactly. See? Exactly. Let's go to Job 22 and 21. Job, the 22nd chapter and the 21st verse. Job 22, verse 21. Acquaint now thyself with him. Do what? Acquaint now thyself with him. We need a healthy, sober perspective of who God is. And be at peace. Thereby good shall come unto thee. Look at that. You're reading the benefit of those who have taken him as their interest. Read that one more time, brother. Because this text emphasizes the blessedness of acquaintance with the Most High. Job 22, verse 21. Acquaint now thyself with him. And be at peace. Thereby good shall come unto thee. Thereby what? Good shall come unto thee. See? Now... We will learn how to secure this acquaintance with the Most High. Why? Because if you acquaint yourself with Him, you'll get peace. And good will come unto thee, brothers and sisters. See? Look at that, brothers and sisters. Acquaint now thyself with Him. We're going to get acquainted, brothers and sisters. We will get acquainted. Let's show you. Let's go to Psalms 16 and 11. Let's learn about our God, the great I Am. Ahaya Ashaw Ahaya in the Hebrew. <clears throat> Psalm 16 and 11. Thou wilt show me the path of life, and thy presence is fullness of joy. What's in his presence? Fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Here we're reading the reason to pursue his acquaintance. Brothers and sisters, the path to full and lasting pleasure is on the road to obedience. Brothers and sisters, read that again, brother. Verse 11. Thou wilt show me the path of life, and thy presence is fullness of joy. What's in his presence? Fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. See? So we're reading the bliss of the Most High's presence, brothers and sisters. This is what you can find in his divine presence, brothers and sisters. According to the psalmist, the path of life 
leads into his presence. See? Job said what? Job said, get acquainted with the Most High. You'll find peace. And that's not just peace externally. Peace internally, which is the most important. When you have peace internally, things can be going awry outwardly. And you'll still have that peace. Brothers and sisters. See? So we have to get to know God. We're going to do that. We're going to go to Psalms 65 and 4. Follow us there, brothers and sisters. Please. Psalm 65, verse 4. Blessed is the man whom thou choosest, and causeth to approach unto thee, that he may dwell in thy courts. We shall be satisfied with the goodness of thy house, even of thy holy temple. Brothers and sisters, verse 4 emphasizes the happiness of the man who he permits to approach him. Brothers and sisters, his presence is the source of unbounded bliss. Look at that. Can you read that again? Verse 4. Blessed is the man whom thou choosest, and causeth to approach unto thee, that he may dwell in thy courts. We shall be satisfied with the goodness of thy house. We shall what? Be satisfied with the goodness of thy house. If you have put the burden of happiness on or in anything else, you have made a hazardous mistake. Brothers and sisters. See? We shall be satisfied with what, brother? Verse 4. Blessed is the man whom thou choosest, and causeth to approach unto thee, that he may dwell in thy courts. We shall be satisfied with the goodness of thy house. With the goodness of the house. So, hold on. The goodness of the house, brothers and sisters. Well, guess what? First thing you must, you must know is the house rules. See? If you're going to be satisfied with the goodness within the house, you need to know the house rules. So we're going to learn the house rules, brothers and sisters. Let's go. Let's go to Ecclesiastes 5 and 1. We're going to read uh, verse 1 and 2, brothers and sisters. Ecclesiastes 5, verse 1. What does that say, brother? Keep thy foot when thou goest to the house of God. Do what? Keep thy foot when thou goest to the house of God, and be more ready to hear than to give the sacrifice of fools. For they consider not that they do evil. Brothers and sisters, we're learning the proper methods of acquainting ourselves with the Most High. He said, be careful how you conduct yourself in my presence. That's number one. Read that again, please, brother. Verse one. Keep thy foot when thou goest to the house of God. And be more ready to hear than to give the sacrifice of fools. For they consider not that they do evil. For they what, brother? They consider not that they do evil. Beware of entering the presence of God without the proper thought to consequences. Brothers and sisters. Verse 2. Be not rash with thy mouth. Do what? Be not rash with thy mouth. And let not thine heart be hasty to utter anything before God. For God is in heaven, and upon earth, therefore let thy words be few. And you're on earth, he's in heaven, you're on earth, brothers and sisters, therefore what? Therefore let thy words be few. Solomon describes the human tendency to do what? To speak without thinking, brothers and sisters. It is foolish to do more speaking than listening in the presence of the Most High God, brothers and sisters. See? 
This evil excess misuses important time with the Most High. Our minds are usually full of our own business rather than our service. So when it is you're in His presence, when you're trying to get into His presence, brothers and sisters, understand this. You need to listen more than you're talking. So even in prayer, brothers and sisters, most of your prayer needs to be silent. Why? Because the Most High knows what you need from Him. You need to know what He needs from you. <laughs> I know. Most of us, we just go straight in. Can I have this? Can I have that? Can I? Thank you for this. Thank you for that. When, do you, when are you quiet? At what point are you quiet to just listen? Because there's nothing better than in the morning going on your day with what? The information of what your God gave you to do today. So we have to know the rules of the house. The rules of the house is you have two ears and one mouth for a reason, brothers and sisters. He said, watch, keep your foot when you go into my house, when you try to come into my presence. See? Go to Job 36 and 11, brother. Sticking in the Old Testament here. Job 36, verse 11. Job 36, verse 11. If they obey and serve him, they shall spend their days in prosperity. In what? Spend their days in prosperity and their years in pleasures. Their years where? In pleasures. The first condition to wealth creation is what? According to this text, submission to God. Service indicates submission. Read that again, brother. Verse 11. If they obey and serve him, they shall spend their days in prosperity. Look at the structure. Of this text. Read that one more time, brother, the first part. If they obey and serve him. The service comes subsequent to the submission, brothers and sisters. They shall spend their days in prosperity. The service comes subsequent to the submission. We're going to show you that. We're going to prove that, brothers and sisters. We are going to prove that the service comes subsequent to the submission. Okay? Let's go to Psalms 72 and 11. We're going to prove this for you. Brothers and sisters, because I don't, I'm not sure if many of us have the full comprehension of that particular principle. Psalms 72 and 11. Psalm 72, verse 11. Yeah, all kings shall fall down before him. All nations shall serve him. Separate the context from the concept here, brothers and sisters. Read that again. All kings shall fall down before him. They shall what? Fall down before him. All nations shall serve him. Emphasizing that you cannot serve without submission. What do the kings do first? Read it again, brother. All kings shall fall down before him. And then what happens? All nations shall serve him. Submission always precedes service. Brothers and sisters. See? You cannot serve until you have an appetite for submission. See? So you may think you're serving him, but if you haven't submitted, you're you're not serving him at all. You're serving yourself. See that, brothers and sisters? Service comes after submissiveness. Anything prior is what? It's wasted energy. You cannot fulfill God's purposes while focusing on your own plans. You have to know that, brothers and sisters. The king's going to fall down. That's submission. Then the nations will serve. You must fall down first, brothers and sisters. That means submit. How can you serve somebody and you haven't submitted to them? <laughs> That's like, you know, you're at the you're at the, the steakhouse, right? 
You're ordering a steak. Listen, brother, I need my steak well done, okay? Well, nah, brother, I, I, in the server, the server, right? Well, nah, brother, I don't think you'll like it well done. I think you need that thing rare, really rare. Like, what? What? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm not going to bring it to you well done. I don't think you like that. Well, brother, how are you serving me? Are you serving me or, I mean, <laughs> see, the youth have to be trained in what service looks like again. Let's go to James, brother. Let's go to James. We'll go to the New Testament here. Let's see what James has to say, brothers and sisters. James, the fourth chapter, the seventh verse, because he knows this principle here. James 4, verse 7. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Do what? Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil. And he will flee from you. Brothers and sisters, the Most High's powerful nature only gives dominion over sin through submission. Read that again, brother. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God. Do what? Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Brothers and sisters. Submission is the only role with vacancy in God's presence, brothers and sisters. Slave is the only office that's open in the kingdom. He's saying, submit yourself. Submit yourself. That's how you draw nigh. <laughs> how can you draw nigh without submission? Please read it from the top, brother. Listen closely to his words, brothers and sisters. Please. James 4 and 7. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Do what? Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. To who? To God. To yourself. To God. To your wife. To God. To your husband. To God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And what happens after submission? Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. This highlights the Most High's attraction to submission, brothers and sisters. See? Now, the question is, how many brothers want a woman who refuses to be submissive? Hmm? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I hear brothers all day long, well, she won't submit, she won't listen. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> why? You're getting what, what you're giving him. <laughs> See? What brother wants a woman who refuses to be submissive? And then, and then you'll, do that, you'll give that to God. You'll give that to the Most High. Exactly. Doesn't make sense, does it? Let's go to Ecclesiasticus. Going to the Apographer, Ecclesiasticus 10 and 12. We'll read 12 and 13, brothers and sisters. Please follow us. Ecclesiasticus 10, verse 12. The beginning of pride is when one departed from God, and his heart is turned away from his Maker. For pride is the beginning of sin. And he that hath it shall pour out abomination. And therefore the Lord brought upon them strange calamities and overthrew them utterly. Brothers and sisters, pride is an attitude of dependence from God. How do we know? Read 12 one more time, brother, because the proud wish God would, would agree with them rather than changing their opinions to agree with him. Verse 12, the beginning of pride is when one departed from God. See, the pride... <laughs> Is, is what happens when you're departing from God. And his heart is turned away from his maker. 
For pride is the beginning of sin. It's what? The beginning of sin. Pride is the complete antichrist state of mind, brothers and sisters. Pride must die in you or nothing of heaven can live in you. And he that hath it shall pour out abomination. Therefore the Lord brought upon them strange calamities and overthrew them utterly. See? So the relationship between pride and sin is emphasized here, brothers and sisters. Hubris is the gateway through which all other sins enter. It said for the it says for pride is the beginning of sin. All sin begins with pride, brothers and sisters. All of them. Why? Because obviously you think you know better. <laughs> you think you know better. Pride. Let's go to Isaiah 59. Let's go to Isaiah 59. Isaiah 59, verse 1. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot save, neither his ear heavy, that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God. But what? But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you. That he will not hear. Sin separates and builds barriers between us and the Most High, brothers and sisters. And the Most High God refuses to coexist with it. As long as we remain unyielding, the likelihood of happiness is greatly diminished, brothers and sisters. This highlights the restraining order the Most High has against the proud. Read verse 2. Because remember, he said sin is the begin or pride is the beginning of sin. Read verse 2 now, brother. Verse 2. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you, that he will not hear. See? See that, brothers and sisters? Submission. Submission. You cannot have fruitful living without submission, brothers and sisters. Submission is hard, I understand. But without it, you will suffer. Every one of us have the same rules we have to go by. Each and every one of us have to submit. You're no better than anyone else, and neither am I, brothers and sisters. So your refusal to submit will only bring you heartache. It will only bring you misery and sorrow, brothers and sisters. I'm going to go to Psalms 138 and 6, brothers and sisters. Psalms. 138 verse 6. What's that say, brother? Psalms 138 verse 6. The Lord be high, yet hath he respect unto the lowly. But the proud he knoweth afar off. But what? But the proud he knoweth afar off. Prideful people are marked as persons to be kept at a distance. He said the proud he knoweth afar off. See? A step in humility is a step closer to God. A step in pride is a step away from God. Brothers and sisters. So according to this text, the distance between you and him is your submission. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 6. Though the Lord be high, yet hath he respect on the lowly. But the proud he knoweth afar off. So we have no extensive usefulness until we extinguish our pride. Brothers and sisters, we have to make a destiny decision to humble ourselves, brothers and sisters. 
Brothers and sisters, follow us to Psalms, the 31st chapter, the 19th and 20th verse. Psalms 31, verse 19. Oh, how great is thy goodness, which thou hast laid upon, laid up for them that fear thee. That what? For them that fear thee, which thou hast wrought for them that trust in thee before the sons of men. Thou shalt hide them in the secret of thy presence from the pride of man. Thou shalt keep them secretly in a pavilion from the strife of tongues. Brothers and sisters, it's the characteristic of pride that restricts our access from entering his presence. Brothers and sisters, see, if we allow pride to dominate our lives, we will suffer immensely. I really need you to look at this again, brothers and sisters. Read verse 20. Verse 20, thou shalt hide them in the secrets of thy presence from the pride of man. From what? From the pride of man. Showing you. <laughs> See, it's the pride. <laughs> it's the pride that keeps you from the presence. Read 20 again, brother. Verse 20, thou shalt hide them in the secrets of thy presence from the pride of man. From the humility of man. From the pride of man. See? That's it right there, brothers and sisters. So learning to live with less pride is a great investment for our future. He said he's hiding you in my presence from the pride of man. Because why? You can't find my presence with pride. So we have to understand that, brothers and sisters. See? Job said do what? Get acquainted with God. You're getting acquainted with him right now. Why? Because the psalmist told us that in his presence... It's pleasures forevermore. So you have to learn how to get into his presence, brothers and sisters. Remember, John 15 said you must abide in order to be fruitful. You must abide, not come spend the night. You must live there. You must establish residency there. We're showing you how to do so. Let's go to Psalms chapter 5, verse 4. Same book, brothers and sisters. Just a different chapter. We'll read the fourth and fifth verse. Psalms 5 verse 4. For thou art not a God that hath pleasure in wickedness, neither shall evil dwell with thee. The foolish shall not stand in thy sight. Thou hatest all workers of iniquity. He's highlighting what an extraordinary privilege his presence is. Brothers and sisters. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 4. For thou art not a God that hath pleasure in wickedness, Neither shall evil dwell with thee. Neither shall what? Evil dwell with thee. The foolish shall not stand in thy sight. Thou hatest all workers of iniquity. Such a person he will not indulge. Brothers and sisters. His presence requires respect and self-governing. Brothers and sisters. A person who refuses to excuse me, a person who refuses to regulate their own conduct is unfit for service. That's what these scriptures are showing. It said, a person dealing with all type of purpose evil shall not dwell with him. A foolish one will not even be in his sight, brothers and sisters. He hates workers of iniquity. Showing you, you have to carry yourself a certain way to be in his presence, brothers and sisters. His privilege, his presence is a privilege, brothers and sisters. Not something to be taken for granted. See? You're getting acquainted with God now. Our God, the God of the Hebrews. Not Allah, not Buddha, not the Hindu God or any of the other gods. 
the great I am, Ahiah, the name he gave Moses, the God of the Israelites. See, get to know him. Let's go to Psalms 140 and 13. Same book, brothers and sisters. We're not going too far. Just a few chapters over. The 140th chapter and the 13th verse, brothers and sisters. Psalms 140, verse 13. Surely the righteous shall give thanks unto thy name. The upright shall dwell in thy presence. The what? The upright shall dwell in thy presence. Only they shall enjoy the powerful presence of the Creator, brothers and sisters. Only the honorable are worthy to stand in the presence of God. I really need you to look at how this is structured, brothers and sisters. Read that one more time. Verse 13. Surely the righteous shall give thanks unto thy name. The upright shall dwell in thy presence. Examine the correlation between a spirit of gratitude and entry into his presence. <laughs> Read it one more time, brother. Because gratitude realigns us to the giver and increases his activity in our lives. Verse 13, surely the righteous shall give thanks unto thy name. They shall do what? Give thanks unto thy name. The upright shall dwell in thy presence. Showing you. <laughs> See, gratitude is how you get there, brothers and sisters. You can't dwell in his presence without gratitude. See that? Gratitude is the gateway to God, brothers and sisters. Not murmuring and complaining, which our people do. We do a lot to get it all throughout the wilderness. Always, we can find something wrong with everything, brothers and sisters. Most I saying, listen, the righteous, those who I deem righteous are those who give thanks to me. And those are the same ones that are dwell in my presence because I don't allow murmurs and complainers to dwell in my presence. See? Here it is. You're getting to learn about them. Why? Because you have to abide there. Not just sniff, not just come by. You have to abide there. This is all the stuff that'll get you kicked out right here. See? Let's go to Psalms 95 and 2, brother. John 15 said, He who abides shall be made fruitful. So we're learning how to abide. We're learning how to stabilize ourselves. Psalms 95 verse 2. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Read that again, brother. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. We're reading the protocol for entry into the presence of a king. Read that again, please, brother. Verse 2. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. With what? With thanksgiving. And make a joyful noise unto him with psalms. For the Lord is a great God and a king above all, above all gods. Now, brothers and sisters, this text emphasizes the danger of complaining. See, the psalmist laments that God's presence is allergic to complaining. How do we know? Read the second verse, brother. Verse 2. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. See, that's how you get into his presence. <laughs> See, that's how you... You have to understand how to come into the presence of a king. If you're going to come into his presence, you better come with thanksgiving, not complaining. Brothers and sisters, why? Because attitude is a reflection of the spirit that dwells within you. See? How are you going to come into his presence? You can't even find his presence. Remember the scripture before said the secret of his presence. A murmur and complainer will never find that secret. Oh, these are all the things you need to know, brothers and sisters, about abiding. The art of fruitfulness. 
You come before his presence with thanksgiving, not murmuring and complaining. See? Let's go to Proverbs 15 and 29. It's a privilege. His presence is a privilege, brothers and sisters. Proverbs 15, verse 29. The Lord is far from the wicked. He's far from who? From the wicked, but he heareth the prayer of the righteous. So look at that, brothers and sisters. See? He's not some candy cane God, brothers and sisters. He's far from the wicked. He only hears the prayer of the righteous. Showing you what, brothers and sisters? Showing you a standard. There's standards with our God, brothers and sisters. Not you do what you want to do. God is always there with you. No. He don't hear the prayers of the wicked, brothers and sisters. So you need to know the standard of his presence. You can't be in his presence and deal with purpose sin, brothers and sisters. Cannot. And we're showing you what? How prayer is regulated. Further proof, John 9 and 31 in the gospel. John, the ninth chapter, the 31st verse. John 9 verse 31. Now we know that God heareth not sinners. He heareth what? Heareth not sinners. But if any man be a worshiper of God, he doeth his will. And doeth his will. And doeth his will, him he heareth. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 31. Now we know that God heareth not sinners. But if any man be a worshiper of God, and doeth his will, him he heareth. He regulates answered prayers based on application of what we're hearing, brothers and sisters. See? He doesn't hear sinners. He only hears those who doeth his will. See? So God is not a flight attendant. He's not there for your comfort, brothers and sisters. Okay? So we need to get some clarity on who God is. That's what Job told us to do. Get acquainted with him. We're getting acquainted with him. Because I know many flagrant sinners, heinous sinners, not following anything in the book who are praying. <laughs> Let's go to Zephaniah 3, brother. Old Testament. We're almost done here, brothers and sisters. Stick with us. The art of fruitfulness. We're at Zephaniah, the third chapter, the first verse. Zephaniah 3, verse 1. Woe to her that is filthy and polluted, to the oppressing city. She obeyed not the voice. She did what? Obeyed not the voice. She received not correction. She did what, brother? Received not correction. She trusted not in the Lord. She drew not near to her God. Residency in the presence of the Most High begins with acceptance of His correction. Brothers and sisters. See? An unwillingness to receive correction keeps us at a distance from the Most High. How do we know? Read verse 2 again, brother. Verse 2. She obeyed not the voice. She received not correction. She received not correction. She trusted not in the Lord. She drew, ne she drew not near to her God. She didn't draw near to God. See, you draw near to God by what? Receiving His correction. Receiving His correction means you trust Him. Look at it closely, brothers and sisters. There was a lot in that little scripture. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 2. She obeyed not the voice. She received not correction. 
She trusted not in the Lord. Showing you she received not the correction. Why? Because she did not trust in the Lord. What was the result? She drew not near to her God. See, the Most High sets himself at a distance from those who operate with defiance. Brothers and sisters. See? You must abide. You must have residency. You must establish residency. But if you can't receive correction... You're nowhere near the Most High. Remember, the scripture told us, the psalmist told us, in his presence was everlasting joy. Perfect pleasures. The only thing you had to do is find out how to get into his presence. That's all you had to do. We're going to show you how. Let's go to Jeremiah 7 and 24, brothers and sisters. Jeremiah, the seventh chapter, the 24th verse. Jeremiah 7, verse 24. But they hearkened not, nor inclined their ear, but walked in the counsels and in the imagination of their evil heart. Of their good heart? Evil heart. And went backward and not forward. And went where, brother? Backward and not forward. We form our own counsels and make resolutions to follow them, brothers and sisters. That's what it's talking about when it says walked in the counsels and imaginations of their evil heart. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 24. But they hearkened not nor inclined their ear, but walked in the counsels and in the imagination of their evil heart. And what was the response to that? And went backward. Did what? Went backward and not forward. When we, when we neglect instruction, we retrograde rather than advance, brothers and sisters. In this text here, negligence is analogous with retrograde movement, brothers and sisters. Our delinquency leads to a state of regression Rather than progression. Brothers and sisters. It says they went backwards and not forward. See? Our aloofness will always be rewarded with God's absence. Brothers and sisters. <laughs> you ever seen someone move backwards in life? It's like they're going backwards. Why are you going backwards? Because you're not listening. See? We're showing you how to abide. Well, we're not showing you. The Bible showing you. Brothers and sisters. The Bible is showing you how to get into his presence and how to abide there, brothers and sisters. And only a fool would disregard what we're reading today. Because what we're reading today, what we learn today is the art of fruitfulness. How to become fruitful, brothers and sisters. We're going to go to Proverbs, the 10th chapter, the 17th verse. Proverbs 10, verse 17. What's that say, brother? He is in the way of life that keepeth instruction. That what? That keepeth instruction. That text means we need to be teachable. But he that refuseth reproof erit. Look at that, brothers and sisters. To keep disciplinary instruction is to show approval of it by obedience. Read that one more time because he said... Read it one more time, brother, please. Verse 17. He is in the way of life that keepeth instruction. The way of life. But he that refuseth reproof erreth. Brothers and sisters. See? A continuous refusal to concede is repellent to God's presence. It says, but he that refuseth correction erreth. Brothers and sisters. With an unteachable and unrebukable spirit, the Most High has no use for me. No use for us. Brothers and sisters. Carry that with you. Carry that with you, no matter where you, 
No matter if you're at the job, you're at school, you're in the family, remain teachable. I don't care how much you know. You may know it already. Let them teach it to you again. Why? Because that's the humility. Remember that, brothers and sisters. Remember that principle. Let's go to Proverbs 13 and 18. Just a few chapters away. The 13th chapter, the 18th verse. We'll have Brother Joshua read that. Proverbs 13, verse 18. Poverty and shame shall be to him that refuseth instruction. What come to him? Poverty and shame shall be to him that refuseth instruction. A person easily offended is allergic to success. But he that regardeth reproof shall be honored. We must humble ourselves, appreciate reproof, and accept instruction. Brothers and sisters, this scripture don't get no clear. I mean, <laughs> it'll get no clearer than this. Remain teachable. Read that again, brother. Verse 18. Poverty and shame shall be to him that refuseth instruction. But he that regardeth reproof shall be honored. See, he who refuses discipline excludes himself from a life of prosperity. Brothers and sisters. Only a... a a willingness to be corrected and taught is the key to our future, brothers and sisters. And guess what? Nobody wants to be around a person who is not teachable. I don't care what I don't care what facet of life you're in. A person who thinks they know everything and have to let you know they know everything, even if they do know it, they have to let you know they know it already. <laughs> See? Not of God, brothers and sisters. Many times have I let a person teach me something I already know. Why? Because, I mean, what's the harm? <laughs> what's the harm in, in hearing something that I already know? Exactly. Only pride would keep you from it. He said, regard reproof. Those who regard reproof or correction shall be honored. So even if you don't agree, just receive it. If you can't even receive it, you're bubbling with pride. You need to put your pride in your pocket. Smother yourself in humility. Or you'll find poverty and shame, according to this text. Brothers and sisters. Let's go to 1 Chronicles 16 and 27. 1 Chronicles chapter 16, the 27th verse. 1 Chronicles 16, verse 27. Listen closely, brothers and sisters. Glory and honor are in his presence. What's in his presence, brother? Glory and honor are in his presence. Strength and gladness are in his place. This text emphasizes that there's always spiritual answers to physical problems. It says glory and honor are where in his presence, brothers and sisters. Strength and gladness are in his place. That means if you want something, you need something, the only thing you have to do is get in his presence. See? I always believed this, brothers and sisters, in, at least over the last 10 years, that the things that I want physically, there's something spiritually I'm going to have to do to get it. It's not something physical I'm going to try to do. It's something spiritual he wants from me. And then I'll get it in the physical because that's how it works. Read it one more time, brother, please. Verse 27. Glory and honor in his presence. Strength and gladness are in his place. This text highlights the splendor found in the privacy of his presence, brothers and sisters. See, when there's something you desire, something righteous, 
brothers and sisters. Something that will benefit the most high. You find out what he needs you to do in order to get it. Because usually he's telling you, all right, son, if that's what you want, I need you to stop doing this. I need you to be more assertive doing that. I need you to stay away from that place. See? And then when you do it now, okay, well, here. Here, son. Here, daughter. See? Not, well, you know what? I need to pick up more hours and get three jobs. Brother, you don't need three jobs. You need to get in his presence. <laughs> See? He'll get you what you need. Get in his presence, brother. See, we look at the physical, how we can do it through our own strength. See, that's the problem. You're trying to do it with your own strength. <laughs> See? You're going to work yourself into a grave. The Most High don't have to do all that to give you things, brothers and sisters. We would rather disobey God and work four or five times harder than we want to get what we want. Instead of just submitting. What type of logic is that, brothers and sisters? Let's go to Proverbs 15 and 32 as we're wrapping up here. Proverbs 15, verse 32. What's that say, brother? He that refuseth instruction despiseth his own soul. But he that heareth reproof getteth understanding. The fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom. And before honor is humility. Before what? Honor is humility. Before what, brother? Honor is humility. Resistance to instruction and correction makes a person a fool, brothers and sisters. A foolish and wicked man will resist instruction and reproof both. Brothers and sisters, how do we know? Read that one more time. Verse 32, brother. Verse 32. He that refuseth instruction despiseth his own soul. And he that heareth reproof getteth understanding. The fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom. And before honor is humility. We will never obtain wisdom or godly residency without fearing him. Brothers and sisters. See? The importance of these two prerequisites cannot be overstated. Brothers and sisters, the fear of the Most High and humility. Brothers and sisters, we're going to go to our final scripture. We're going to close out. Ecclesiasticus in the Apocrypha, the 19th chapter, the 18th verse. Ecclesiasticus 19, verse 18. What's that, son? The fear of the Lord. Is the first step to be accepted of him. It's the last step? The first step to be accepted of it's, him. It's the second step. The first step to be accepted of him. And wisdom obtaineth his love. And what? Wisdom obtaineth his love. Brothers and sisters, we had to teach the fear of the Most High. Why? Because that's the first step. See? First step means what? There's obviously more. <laughs> See? So you need to get the first step down before you think about anything else, brothers and sisters. So we needed to do that today. We needed to teach the fear of the Most High so you can have a healthy, sober perspective of Him. A healthy fear of Him, brothers and sisters. A godly fear of Him. Why? Because you cannot be accepted into His presence if you don't fear Him. See? How are you going to come into his presence and you don't fear him? And fear him, we're not talking about being scared. We're talking about fear. What does that mean? 
You fear him because you fear to disappoint the one that you love. You understand. The Most High does not play games. He's not Santa Claus. <laughs> you know, he's not your butler. He's not your maid. He's, he's the Most High. So we needed our people, or all people rather, to fully, have, fully comprehend what it requires to find the presence of the Most High. Because John chapter 15, first scriptures we went to today, said you must abide in Christ in order to be fruitful. So he's tying our success to our residency, brothers and sisters. You must reside with the Most High, reside with Christ in order to be fruitful. Today's lesson, brothers and sisters, was titled, The Art of Fruitfulness. We pray that our brothers and sisters are able to uh, go back on what they learned today, pray on what they learned today, and apply it, brothers and sisters. We want to say, Kwam Yasharala. Kwam Yasharala. Sin no more. Sin no more.